Welcome to a Junior VC Unfiltered, your behind-the-scenes look into the AJVC newsletter team. This is your host, Mazin, and this week I'm joined by Aviral, Chetan, Rohan, Keshav, and Shreyant, the newest member of our team. In this episode, we talk about space, and the piece about it is India Space Tech's Dark Horse. Aviral, can you get us started by telling us why the team chose this topic? I think that space is everyone's dream, right? Everyone, especially when we were growing up, all I think all of us at some point of time wanted to be astronauts. Um, it's like that frontier that's yet to be explored, yet to be broken, and there's a lot of interesting things happening uh, in space. And I think you know, in the last fortnight, a couple of Indian startups raised capital, um, SpaceX computer record number of launches. Uh, but you know, what really struck us as a group was how underappreciated India's progress in space tech is. In fact, you know, we might go as far as putting it in the top two or top three uh, space technology countries in the world, um, US, India, and China being the three. Um, and, and we really think that it's a big opportunity. It's, it's that one untapped market um, that a lot of people are not looking at. Yeah, really is, is is fascinating. So, Chetan, why don't you take us back to the origins of Indian space exploration and, and tell us how it got started. Hi, Mazen. Uh, thanks for having me here. Um, so, it all starts with the first artificial man-made object put into space uh, by the Russians. It was bang on in the middle of the Cold War. And uh, space seemed to be an avenue where uh, they were really fired up to be the first to put something into space. Uh, this was between the USA and the USSR. And uh, one man really, really took things forward. His name was Sergei Korolev. And uh, I really empathize with him because even his title was a chief designer. So he was supposed to design the object that was going to be put in space. Um, and finally, when it went out, uh, it was a major moment for the entire world because uh, earlier, we were just looking at countries and continents at the maximum. But now we started to realize that we have the Earth as an entity in a larger system of planets. right? Um, and then there were a lot of people watching this. And one, one person from India who was closely watching this was uh, Vikram Saravai. Um, he is uh, the visionary who sort of uh, spearheaded the space program for India. <clears throat> uh, although he had done a little work with NASA before, uh, he wanted to start off something in India. Um, and he strongly believed in being pragmatic about India's space mission. And at the same time, uh, realized that it would uh, progress the quality of living in India if, if it became successful. Um, so, uh, he, because of his vision, he became the uh, chairman of what you call I, uh, INCOSPAR, Indian National Committee for Space Research. And uh, since space was new, it was under uh, the Department of Atomic Energy then, uh, which was led by Homi J. Baba, who's another uh, visionary. Um, so he wanted to start off with small projects uh, by launching lightweight rockets uh, and uh, th th to study that. Uh, he wanted a team of really young 
scientists because we did not have space scientists in India. He had to source them from somewhere else, and uh, all of these guys were uh, working at NASA then. Uh, it was a Steve Jobs, John Scully moment for him, I guess, because uh, he convinced all these people who had an illustrious career uh, abroad to come back to India and work in very, very frugal uh, situations. Uh, I, I was reading interviews of some of these people who were convinced to come back to India, who work at ISRO now, about how uh, he did mention that things are not going to be as uh, sparkly and shiny as they would be at NASA. But uh, they did not expect that they would be asked to work in cow sheds. Uh, so the Tumba Equatorial Rocket Launching Station uh, is something that was uh, built up in, I think, a flat 100 days. Uh, so th there was a local, it, it was a fishing village, uh, at the center of which was a local church. Uh, and there was the bishop's house next to it, which became the office and the church became the workshop. And uh, people used to travel by cycles and uh, uh, their uh, labs were cow sheds, right? Uh, and we, we were far from being government funded or uh, being a sponsored space program, like our counterparts, US and USSR. Uh, and uh, as expected, they did not uh, really think this would amount to anything. Uh, people scoffed at it and, uh, and, and they were right to do so. Uh, because, I mean, uh, there was not much you can do without money in space tech. But I think if you have heart, you can accomplish a lot of things. And these men really, really proved that by uh, launching the first successful sounding rocket after multiple, I think, three years of failures. And they showed the world that it is possible to do anything uh, if you put your heart to it. Um, then uh, these people sort of uh, encouraged uh, the government to make it a separate entity. Uh, until now, it was under Department of Atomic Energy. So they got their own department now. And at the same time, I think uh, America had sent Armstrong to moon as well. So uh, our uh, inspiration was growing stronger and our drive to achieve uh, space dominance was growing stronger. And finally, uh, in August 15, 1969, we set up the Indian Space Research Organization, now known as ISRO, uh, and it became a separate entity under the space department. And the rest, as my colleagues will explain, is history. Uh, yeah, I, I uh, end it here. It's truly an amazing journey, uh, the early days of the Indian space industry. But Rohan, can you shed some light on why space is so important uh, from a national perspective. What did you learn about the history of space writing this piece and, and how has the race evolved? Absolutely. Thank you for asking the question, Mazen. Um, starting with why is space important, right? Um, as Chetan mentioned, the pioneer of space research and development in India, Dr. Vikram Sarabhai, he had a very different approach to looking at space for, for the Indian context. Instead of fighting it out with the then two global superpowers, uh, the US and the USSR, he wanted India to approach space with more practical applications. Having spent his time at NASA and studied feasibility of studying uh, of um, remote sensing and communication, he realized that these two are very practical applications for a country as wide and deep as India, where a lot of people depend on agriculture. It made a lot of sense to deploy satellites that could relay communication for weather, forecasting for predicting floods, for predicting droughts, uh, and for also 
uh, an application as wide as direct television broadcasting. That's where for for us for India, that's how the approach was uh, different. Uh, we wanted to kind of make it more relevant for people rather than just blindly competing in a race to put um, a man on space or to just put things out there. Uh, we had that pragmatic approach in that sense. Now, in, to- in terms of talking about um, how did the race evolve, there were two major players. If you look at the 1950s and 60s, there were two major players at that time, uh, the US and the USSR. For most part, Russia led, USSR uh, led everything. Um, they were the first satellite, they were the first crewed uh, space flight, the first person to orbit the space, the first woman in space, the first spacewalk. Uh, they were actually the first to land on another world as well. Their setback moment actually came um, when their chief designer, Sergei Korolov, um, had an untimely death. Uh, due to complications in his school on cancer. And for the Soviet Union, it was all downhill from then. Um, despite their many accomplishments, um, despite the many firsts in the race with US, um, the US became the first country to land a man on, sco- uh, on space, Neil Armstrong. And the US kept on growing from there. NASA kept on making leaps from there. Another player um, that emerged very quietly in the entire period was China. Um, looking at the global scene in the entire time, China was still a small economy. And they also, not unlike India, but also like some of the other uh, the other two superpowers, they kind of wanted to accomplish things in space more aggressively. So they started building out um, the Fan Shui Ji Wenqing. Um, sorry if I'm not getting the name right. They, and they started kind of building the capacity and everything from there on. So starting from the 1950s and 60s is when they built a lot of those. Now, if you look at um, the history of space exploration, right, is around when that entire period from 1970s to early 2000s is when a lot of that foundation was set. There were a lot of failures by different countries um, and they kind of kept learning a lot more which will lead to their success eventually. Around the early 2000s is when China was able to launch their first mission. Five years later from that, around 2008, is when India launched Chandrayaan, uh, its first successful lunar probe. So that is like a brief in terms of how like it evolved during the late 20th century and how kind of it was important for India specifically from an Indian context to develop applications. Yeah, it's amazing. India's pragmatic approach to, to building stuff that really creates value versus just trying to put a man on the moon uh, at all costs between the race has set them up well. And Keshav, maybe can you expand on that and tell us a bit more about how India progressed, talk a bit about privatization and some of the business models that have emerged from the space race. Sure, Mazen. So I think uh, Chetan and Rohan have covered it well in terms of the early history and origins for Indian space. Uh, what I could probably do is summarize a bit here in terms of, as they also mentioned, right, having a very frugal, capital efficient nature to building. Uh, India was really sort of the underdog, right, when it came to space exploration. 
and once you read the piece it actually gives you goosebumps to to trace india's history as well as the genesis for space development uh i could take a few examples here right to talk about how india progressed uh, probably around uh, the end of the century which is around 2000 uh wherein uh, the former pm who was there ab wajpayee he gave the slogan of jai jawan jai kisan which was a very prominent one but he added jai vigyan to it that which basically means that knowledge trumps right so he wanted to attract the top talent and uh, through that he was able to inspire millions in india to dream about becoming rocket scientists uh, then around 2000 also what was happening was uh, there was some kind of a geopolitical battle itself which had started between india and china on the space front also right so uh, once the 2003 chinese mission was successfully launched uh, vajpayee also urged uh, the indian scientists to launch their own successful probe and 5 uh, years later in october 2008 uh, we launched chandrayaan 1 which was the first successful lunar probe from india and uh, it was actually able to find water on the moon then i'm sure uh, as and readers would be aware and listeners would be aware of the most successful mission for india which was in november 2013 which was the mangalyaan mission uh, to to mars and uh, what was phenomenal about about that mission was that it cost just 70 million dollars right which is one tenth of nasa's mission and i remember uh, listening to elon musk and he was who's his sort of the space veteran right and he was also pretty amazed about uh, india achieving that feat in in such limited resources and then post that i think we have built on that so in february 17 uh, we launched pslv 37 which sent Uh, a mind boggling 104 satellites into space which was three times the previous best of 34 and uh, overall i think the approach has been has remained laser sharp to focus on applications for space in various industries be it agriculture weather forecasting as well as being very frugal uh, to talk about the second part right which is in terms of the business models which have emerged in the space so what we could understand was that space tech if we say right the privatization of space is still at a nascent stage of investing for vcs so uh, traditionally it was run through government funded programs budgets uh, from us china india but now what we are seeing is that uh, space tech 2.0 is evolving and there is massive value which can be unlocked in different stacks so be it gps communications geospatial intelligence uh just analysis distribution management of data which is collected by spaced uh, space based infra and space based observation so there's immense opportunity in those areas and in fact gps was has been able to deliver the largest venture outcomes in history and uh was able to generate trillions of dollars in economic value what is uh, also happening is that the ecosystem is also maturing right so it's moving downstream uh due to the influx of satellite data and focusing on areas such as communications data analytics research so all the reusable rockets which are coming in the nano satellites the smaller satellites which are being built they are able to generate a lot of data and uh, which which is providing uh, great opportunities for the next generation startups and beyond the as in the well known players which are there like spacex blue origin right there are almost 500 plus smaller companies which are working towards the privatization of space and it's not hard to see why that is right because 
space tech is really the building block of innovation and it's a great way for a nation also to demonstrate their advancement in science and engineering uh, in fact just to take an example uh, if we talk about the apollo mission to the moon right not many people would be aware that many technologies which we use today now like wireless headsets camera phones uh, cat scans or your electrolytic water purifiers right so they owe their origin to that mission so that is again sort of applying space as well as its innovation in other uh, industries uh, how we looked at the market itself right was that uh, we we divided the market into five spaces and i think the visual which is uh, prepared by omkar and the piece is a great one for listeners to refer more into this but we primarily divided the market into five spaces taking a life cycle approach so the first was uh, a build approach wherein uh, you ha- you have players building and selling satellites drones uh, 3d printing rockets uh, small launch players that are serving small satellites the second is the launch which is essentially launch services drone delivery uh, delivering payloads into space uh, and also including space launch vehicles uh, satellite launches the third aspect is data and analytics which essentially is data which is being generated from satellites drones and using it uh, very efficiently uh, in 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 analytics and the fourth is services wherein we are seeing these applications in various fields like for global communication network for 5g access for debris removal uh, for ride share for space so we already have people building sort of the uber for space and uh, these launch as a service players essentially are that they handle the logistics of delivering payloads into orbit through launching on rockets which they don't own so allowing the smaller players also to uh, just test uh, their uh, efficiencies out and the last one is really the create space which is sort of the blue ocean space wherein you have people creating newer markets be it in space tourism uh, space mining and space as a service uh finally i think i would say that do check out the visual in the article to deep dive more on this omkar would love to a- ask you a bit about the visuals in this piece how was the trip down memory lane uh while pulling together some of those iconic space visuals yeah sure mazen so since i was working on the visuals for the whole piece i got to see multiple perspectives on the whole space tech industry in the world and also in india actually so it's really interesting to see how rich our history is when it comes to space tech like uh, dr vikram sarabhai and homi jai baba they have done great things for india and then other countries like russia china all these huge players in the space market are like we have had amazing uh, leaps in space i would say in the past and even in india so the thing that caught my eye was the investments that uh, happened in the space tech industry like till 2019 uh, like uh, kesha mentioned we had not a lot of investment because uh, government funding and other restrictions but in 2020 the investments jumped to 12 more than 12 billion from somewhere around 3 billion in 2019 and the years before so that's that actually shows you how uh, you know the immense the potential is for the space tech 2.0 and the market is expected to grow from around 300 billion in 2020 to around more than a trillion dollars in 2040 so that was something that was fascinating to me and the shreyans will talk about it but the market map 
uh, has uh, for space tech is basically will tell you how many opportunities there are uh, in the space tech industry. Like oh, while making the map, I was like, there's so many things that we can do, you know, if we have the capital to do it, and so many opportunities. We are just not looking at it. So if you think about it, all our focus right now, all the startups, all the companies right now around us, uh, we're thinking about Earth and things how we can make our lives on earth better but if you just expand your perspective to space and you know and the uh, moon mars what elon musk is doing all those things you'll just it it inspired me basically and i know others uh in the others who wrote the piece i would say they also feel the same uh that was you know that was a thing that really caught my eye uh while making the visuals for the whole piece it truly is an inspirational story, India's journey in space. And it sounds now almost like the early days of the internet with more and more startups entering the space and more investment. Uh, and Shriyans, can you maybe tell us a bit more about some of the startups that are building for space? Uh, and what do you think the future of space tech looks like for India? Sure, sure, Mazen. So, so one thing is, is for sure, right? Today, uh, space is what internet was in 1960s and 70s. There are plenty of startups um, working in this space. Around the internet, people found that multiple things could be built and around space, people will build multiple things and people have already started that. The ball is already rolling, right? So the Russians, if you see, uh, have uh, great startups. One startup which actually caught my eye was uh, Star Rocket, which basically builds orbital billboards. Can you imagine having marketing from the orbit? Simultaneously, if you see uh, UK and, and, and the Europeans in general who, who have always been innovative, work on uh, some of these startups that are incredible and few of them are, are basically uh, in democratization of data in space for the earth. Uh, certain startups that actually have, uh, have scaled up in, in the east of the world uh, from China is basically uh, building these manufacturing of manufacturing startups like zero G technologies and uh, one space, which are actually giving good competition to uh, SpaceX themselves. A um, few of the missions have actually caught my eye, right? A few of the missions like OneWeb and, Star and, and Starlink, which basically provide internet to inaccessible uh, areas of, of Earth from space are, are revolutionary. What we feel that India can, can basically give to the world are these three factors, right? One, for manufacturing of these microsatellites and nanosatellites, where few startups from India have already started to do that. Two, startup as, as space as a service seems incredibly a big opportunity for India because India has always been the service-based economy providing these solutions for the world. Right, Kava Space and Pixel have already started that. And three, transportation as a service in space. Now, as we see in future that it becomes easier for mankind to go to space, we believe that many of these goods or many of, of, of these uh, components that need to be sent from Earth to space is a big opportunity for Indians to do so. With, with technical, technically talented individuals uh, and, uh, and, and the belief of, of the youth, we think that uh, India is ready to take on the world and support the world. 
India certainly is well prepared to capitalize on the huge opportunity that is space tech. Thank you so much for tuning in to a Junior VC Unfiltered. I've got a favor to ask you. Will you take a minute to review us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening? Thank you.